John chapter 13 this morning. We're going to pick up where we left off last time as we talked about how Jesus washed the feet of his disciples. So John chapter 13, second half of the story today. Um, how many of you have ever heard this, this phrase used? Um, a lot of times towards children or someone who's discouraged or whatever. People will say to, to, to one another, you can be anything that you want to be. Have you ever heard that say? Okay. How about the, it's, it's close cousin. You can do anything you want to do. Right? You heard that, right? Now, I mean, I understand the intent behind it. You're trying to build somebody up. You're trying to tell them nobody can let you down. Nobody can stop you. I, I get it. But you know that's completely false, right? You all are aware that you cannot actually be anything you want to be. Like, if I just said, you know what I want to be today? I want to be a Lamborghini. <laughs> how, how much shot do I have of turning into, like, none, right? Uh, what I'd like to do today, I would like to solve world hunger today. Can you, you know what I mean? Like, I cannot do anything I want to do, and I cannot be anything I want to be. There are physical laws and realities that stop us, that limit us, some of you can't even remember the name of the people you met this morning, you know? I mean, we are human beings. We have limitations. You know, I, you wake up in the morning and you recognize day by day I have more limitations. You know, my body is, is aging and wearing down or I don't have enough time to do all the things that I want to do or even enough strength, maybe enough money. I'm limited as a human being. And because of that, life can get very frustrating. I've been reminded on, in several different areas this week about how little say I have in my life. There's the illusion that I have say, and, and I do have say about the choices that I make, but I don't really have much say in where those choices take me. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes it's, you know, I can't control, I can control whether or not I tell the truth, but I can't control about whether someone believes me or not. I have very little say of where it takes me. So as a pastor, I can share with you what I believe is the truth, the word of God, what I've learned in my life. I can share it with you. And then that's the end of it. I can't control what that does in you, right? And with the, the accident we were talking about last week that we had, I, I'm trying to tell them what happened. I can tell them the truth, but I can't make them believe that what I'm telling is the truth. Do you know what I mean? So I don't have control of that. Some of the decisions that I'm making in view of the destinations I want to head towards don't take me where I thought they would. Sometimes it takes me to a better place than I thought it would take me. Sometimes it takes me to a worse place. And so there's this reality for all of us that we are not in as much control of our lives as we might think and as we might like. So let me ask you, what does that do to you? Does that stir up fear inside of you? Does that stress you out? Does that make you worry about what's coming because you don't have control? Or is that a tremendous source of peace and hope and comfort to you? How could it be comforting and peace-filled to know that I don't have control of my life? Great question. 
And I think that question has a lot to do with whether or not we can digest what Jesus does here. Because deeply ingrained inside every single human heart is a desire to move from weakness to strength. Right? From weakness to strength. Today we're going to look at Jesus' take on that, and it's probably very different from the norm. If you went into work tomorrow, and you, and you were offered a promotion or a demotion, you can either move up or you can move down. Up to you. What would you take? I would take the promotion, of course. Because that's the desirable position, to move up, to make more money, to have more power, to have more response, to have more say, to be in charge, promotion, to advancement, ambition. That's where it's at. We aspire in our lives to strength. But God invites us to weakness. We want to feel good about ourselves God invites us to humble ourselves. And it fights in us all day. We see having the upper hand as the place to be. We wrestle towards control, advantage, more resources, security. We pursue these things in our lives as though they are desirable, as though they are what we want. But Jesus doesn't seem to pursue these things. And I hope that it blows your mind up to think about this. In fact, Jesus has all the advantages. He has all the resources. He is God Almighty, enthroned on heaven's, you know, in in heaven's throne room. And he sets it aside to come to earth. Have you thought about that? What does that mean for my life? And so let's take a look at the second half of this story about Jesus washing the disciples' feet and let's see what Jesus has as a challenge for you and I. So start with me at verse 6 down to verse 11. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him. And that was why he said, not everyone was clean. All right, so last week, we saw the beginning of the story, the beginning of the night of the Last Supper, the night of his betrayal, the last night before Jesus was crucified. And we see that he's in this upper room with his disciples. And as the meal is going on, they're having conversation, much like you or I would have conversation around the meal. They're passing things around. They're enjoying uh, being together and, and the food and the, the ceremony of the Passover meal. And in the middle of it, Jesus, unannounced, without saying anything, gets up and takes on this task of washing the disciples' feet. He, he puts a towel, takes off his robes, puts on a towel, and goes around and washes their feet. 
When we pick up the story here of verse 6, he comes, whether it's first or somewhere in between or last, he comes to Simon Peter. And we find this conflict that he has with Peter. And this conflict, to me, just digs into this issue of what do you believe about life? What do you believe about where you want to be in life and where God asks you to be in life? Where's the best place for you to be? And so Peter says, what are you doing, basically? Jesus, how, are you going to wash my feet? His surprise, actually, if, if you read the grammar, the grammar, the way that the, the, the sentence is structured, are you going to wash my feet? All the pronouns are up front. And it's because what, what Peter's saying to him is like, you are going to wash my feet? I don't think that's right. I can't. He's offended by it. And so he objects to this. Because in Peter's mind, in Peter's way of thinking, which I think reflects our way of thinking, a superior does not serve those under him. A superior gets served by those under him. There's, there's no like... This, this is unprecedented. And so the question is really an exclamation like, is this really happening? Is this what you want to do? Why are you doing this? I don't get it. I don't get it. And Peter, you know, says to, to Jesus, you will never wash my feet. Jesus' reply is soft enough. He says, you know, Peter, you don't understand. I know you don't understand. This is not the way you think. This is not the way your brain processes stuff. I get it. But later you will understand. That's what Jesus says to Peter. Just, just go along with me. Just, just let me do this. And then, you know, maybe, he's, maybe Jesus is speaking about sometime later in your life, you'll understand. Or maybe he's saying, when I'm done, I'll explain some of this to you. Either way, what he's saying is, shut your mouth, Peter. I'm going to do this, and then later on you'll figure out why I've done this. Because this is specifically a challenge from Jesus to his disciples. It is meant to absolutely transform the way that they think about power, about advantage. And so Peter says, Lord, you will never wash my feet. Now, all I can guess is that Peter's sitting there as Jesus comes around, and Peter says, this is a test. I, I know Jesus is just testing us. And I, I'm going to pass this test because I know this isn't right. You know, before Jesus had said, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter was the one that stood up and said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus was like, way to go. And Peter was like, that's right. <laughs> cool, I'm good. And so here we are, and we, and we see Peter several times in this, in this interaction try to stand up in boldness for what he believes about Jesus because he believes Jesus is God Almighty, the Messiah come in human flesh. He believes it with all that he has. He's willing this night to go die for it. In the garden, he takes out a sword and he chops off the ear of, of one of the soldier's servants. He, he's, he's ready to die because he believes this so strongly. But what he doesn't know is his foundation of his idea of leadership and authority and power is exactly opposite of what Jesus is inviting him to. And so Peter says, never, you will never wash my feet. Jesus had made his intention very clear. I'm going to wash your feet. And Peter says, no way. It's very ironic because Peter, he couldn't handle being served by his Lord. Right? And so he says to him, Lord, meaning 
master, the one who is the one I'm following, the one who tells me what to do, you're in charge, Lord, never, you're not going to do what you want to do. No. Who's in charge now? It's very ironic that Peter's idea of authoritarian, powerful leadership, superior leadership, is the very thing that causes him to act against it. He believes that the person in charge is the one who should be served and the one who makes the choices and the decisions and everybody else just follows along. But when his Lord comes to him and says, I want to do this humble work for you, Peter says, no, you're not going to. Get away from me. I will never let you do that. Now, I wonder in your life, how many times have you started with Lord and ended with no? How many times have you declared that he's your master, your leader, the one you want to follow, the one you've given your life to, except no. Not here. Not doing that. Not going down that path. What is it inside of us that gets that mixed up? What is it inside of Peter? Peter's surety that he knows the way it should be stops him from submitting to the way that Jesus says, let's make it. And I think in your life and in my life, my sureness about how things should be and what I know about how they should be stops me from submitting to my Lord. It makes me a rebel. It makes me say no to the one that I've said I will follow. Notice, this was a normal task, washing of feet after you've come in from the road, a normal task that a servant would pick up. They were used to getting their feet washed. And it was probably decently obvious that nobody had gotten their feet washed. They probably smelled a little bit, you know, a little dirty. But they didn't care that much. It's a bunch of guys. You know how guys are, right? We just, whatever, no big deal. But none of the disciples volunteered to take this task. Nobody said, hey, nobody's washed their feet. Nobody's washed anybody's feet. Let me, let me do this for you. Nobody did that. Why didn't any of the disciples go, hey, let me do this? Because it was the lowest task. It was the task that you asked the lowest servant to do. It was not a task that honorable people took on. And so it's, it's interesting. Peter didn't want to be washed, but he also didn't want to wash. He didn't want Jesus to wash his feet, but he didn't offer to wash Jesus' feet, did he? Because in his mindset, the hierarchy was advance, advance, advance. Go up, not down. And so there was no processing of this idea that there's something that is undone, this humble task, and they would rather overlook it, and Peter would rather refuse to have it done than to give up his idea of strong leadership. We like to serve people. You probably get enjoyment from serving people, to, to doing something. When you give gifts at Christmas time and somebody loves it, you're not like, well, that cost me a lot. You're like, I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. It just brings joy to your heart, right? Here's the deal. We like to serve people, but we like to serve strong. We like to serve in a sense that I am strong, that I am able, that I am capable, and that in my advanced position, I have served, but I feel, I feel good about myself. The truth is, we always serve weak. We can't. He does. 
And the reality for every one of us is we have to receive in weakness. What Jesus is doing as he goes around and he washes their feet is he's saying this to them. Humility is a non-negotiable part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. You can't be my follower unless you embrace this mindset, this value system, humility. And so if your desire or your motivation to serve others is tangled up in your ego or your self-image, you're not getting it. If you like to be the one serving and you're never able to be served, you've missed the whole economy that Jesus is presenting here. Because it's not about who's in the advantage position, who's in the strong position, who's in the weak position. If anything, Jesus says the desirable place to be is in the weak position, the receiving position. If you are averse to being served, it may well be about the idea that you have of you want to feel strong. You want to feel sufficient. You want to feel important. You don't want to feel humiliated. And if that's you, you've got this huge barrier to Jesus' work in your life. A lot of people turn from saving grace because what it says, the whole idea of salvation is humiliating. What it says is, you are lost. You are a sinner, stained by sin eternally. And you are desperately in need of getting rid of this sin problem, but you can't. It is beyond you. It is hopelessly beyond you to solve this problem. And so you are offered a gift. It is an undeserved gift. It is a gift you did not earn. It is a gift you could never earn. You haven't even started earning it, and you will never start to earn it because it's a gift that's given freely. Many people reject salvation, this free offer that they desperately need because it offends their pride. You have no case to make to him, hey Lord, I'm coming to you so you can save me. Now I've been good and I've done this and this. There's no case to be made. It is in his mercy. It is in his grace that he reaches to save us. And so I'm wondering, if you've, come to, if you've never come to Christ, that's the invitation. Lay aside your sense of self-worth and your sense of pride and, and self-sufficiency and I'm going to make, lay aside that and receive what you need and God knows you need and God made available to you through Jesus Christ. That's the offer. If you've already received that, then let me ask you this. Was that the last time that you approached God in that kind of humility? How long has it been since you said, God, I got nothing. I mean, I I could try this and this and that, but all that stuff's nothing. What I need is you. That's it. I need you. You have to save me. Not because I deserve it. Not because I feel you owe it to me. Not because I've given some valuable thing to you. But because of your grace and because of your mercy, I humble myself before you. Jesus' response to Peter crystallizes this challenge because what he says to Peter is, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. We get stuck, you know, the question about why do bad things happen to good people? We get stuck in this deserved thing. Many people choose to not believe that there is a God 
Because this economy offends them. This economy of grace is offensive to them. But I've been a good person. I don't deserve this. How could a loving God do this to me? And so we, we refuse to believe our helplessness. We refuse to embrace the humility that Jesus calls us to. Jesus says it's required for those who want to be a part of his family to be served by their Lord, by a humble Savior. You can't be a part of me without accepting me serving you. That's what Jesus says. Peter, you're going to have to accept that what I think is important, what I think is to be pursued, this, this idea that, that your Lord and Master would rise from His place of honor at the table, would lay aside every token, every symbol of His leadership, and would take up the role of a servant to come around and serve you, that that's where it's at. And if you won't, if you won't allow yourself to be served by your Lord, then you have no part of me. Then, then I have no part of you. You're not mine. It is natural for us to think of leaders as strong and capable, but Jesus demonstrates that leadership is done in humility and weakness instead of strength and power. Maybe you're facing people in your life. Maybe you have parents like this or you have a boss like this and they use power as a weapon. They use their authority as a weapon and they come and they try to crush you over and over again. And what you feel like is the same thing that any human feels like. If only I were stronger. If only I didn't have to listen. If only they didn't have authority over me and I could rise up in strength and meet strength with strength and I could overcome them. Very typical human way of looking at life. But did you see what Jesus did? Now, did Jesus have power? Did he have authority? Was he capable of doing whatever he wanted? Could he have completely destroyed the enemy and all of his legions before the world began? Could he have done that? But did you see what he chose to do? He chose to humble himself. He chose to lay aside his power, his authority. Is that blowing your head open? Like, are you kidding me? That's not what you would do. Sometimes we say, if I were God, I would this and this. I would take, what are you saying? If I had the power and the right to make things the way I think that I would do this. Well, God does have that power. Look at what he did and learn from it. Peter's offended. Jesus says, listen, the, the, this is not a, 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 you know, a unsubstantial thing. This matters. This is really important. It is the, the, the key to whether you're mine or not. To follow Jesus is to embrace humility. Because that's who he is. A humble Lord. I follow a humble Savior. And if I follow a humble Savior, then it's going to humble me. You don't follow Jesus to feel strong. You don't follow him to, to gain advantage. You follow him to get him. And who he is, is God who laid aside his position. We spend our days and our time and energy trying to get our position better, to move up, to move up, to gain advantage, maybe more money, maybe more relaxation, maybe more enjoyment of our time, better position. 
Some decide to become a Christian because they believe it will benefit them. They've heard some false teaching out there that if you come to Christ, your bank account's going to be better or your doctor's bills are going to go away or whatever, right? But that's not how Jesus presents it. Jesus says, if you come and follow me, you humble yourself. You humble yourself. We take good things that God has given, like a job, and we pursue it in ambition. We start to turn it into a God because we're pouring ourselves into advancement as though if I get enough of this thing, it will make me okay. And Jesus turns around and goes the exact opposite direction. We'll do good things. We'll serve God when we're in a position of strength, when I finally have all this taken care of. Listen to me. That is the enemy's trap to keep you with an excuse not to serve yet because you don't feel ready, because you don't feel prepared, because you don't have all your stuff settled out. Well, I'll start giving to church when we would rather serve from a position of strength. Well, I'll share my faith when I know the answer to all these questions, when I'm strong enough to share it. God invites you to weakness, to dependence on Him. Humble dependence on His Spirit and His work inside of us. That's what we need. Jesus does not serve from strength, although He had all strength. Jesus does not serve from position, although He was their Lord and Master and God of the universe. What Jesus does is He sets position and power and strength aside and serves in weakness and humility. And he challenges you and I to embrace that humility. We need him to serve us. And so he makes that clear to Peter and says, you have to be washed or you're not part of me. And so Peter, who just said, never will you wash me, now says, well, give me a whole bath. Wash me head to toe. The choice is given to Peter. Listen, Peter, this is not some test about whether you respect me or not. This is a choice about will you embrace the new system and let go of the old system? Will you see a weak leader as the one to follow? Will you understand that I don't lead from on high in my position of advantage, but that I lead through serving? And Peter says, yes, I'm in. I'm in. And Jesus' answer then shifts the topic a little bit. What he says, he gives this picture of somebody, you know, Peter says, wash me completely. And Jesus says, someone who's had a bath is only dirty where like, you know, just their feet. They don't need a whole bath again. Now, most people believe when Jesus talks about this, what he's talking about is a spiritual washing. That, that when you become a part of his, he's not talking about you're physically clean. He's talking about you're spiritually clean, that you become washed in the blood of Christ, that your sins are washed away, that it, it takes away your sin eternally. And then there's this idea that you are then His, that you've been washed. Have you been washed? If you have, are you acting washed? Do you live washed? In other words, when Jesus says that you come to me and I will forgive your sins, God says, I will remember your trespasses no more. Do you live like that is true? Or do you constantly bring up your failures and your sins again and again and again? When God is forgiven, do you say, well, but I'm going to keep the record. Forgiven, right? So there's this idea of 
God has forgiven and, and washing spiritually. And Jesus says, if you've been washed, you're mine. And then there's just this need for me to serve you by continually cleaning the stains of this life off of you. And you know what that's like, right? I'm his, but I go out into this world and I live in this, in this flesh and I live around a culture and, and I stumble and I fall. And, and I constantly come back to God and say, God, you gotta, you got to wash this stuff off of me. I'm, you know, I'm all tangled up again. You got to wash me again. And he does. Just like at the beginning when I was desperately in need and didn't deserve his washing, later on when I've fallen and stumbled in spite of his faithfulness, in spite of his goodness, I've fallen again and I come to him again. I don't deserve it, but guess what? He sets me back on solid ground. He washes my feet and he puts me back on path. That's what our Savior does for us. He serves us like that. And that's what he says. Jesus says, listen, if you've been washed, you don't need to be completely washed. You just need to be, you know, kind of removed from the the muck of this life. But the truth that Jesus is highlighting here is that he's the one who does it. That we need it and he does it. He does the lowly job. There is a dependence in humility on Jesus Christ. Basically, it goes like this. Lord, what I need, only you can give. We believe that? I don't have it in myself. I can't stir it up. I can't work it up. Any good calling that you've given for me to do, I need you to do it in me and through me. Without your power, it doesn't happen. Humility. Not convinced of my own strength, but convinced of His. Not convinced that somehow I can make it happen, but convinced that He will do it through me if I will humble myself. Maybe like Peter, you're stuck on the humility it takes to live in a day-by-day awareness of your need for Jesus. It makes you feel bad about yourself. It makes you feel like a loser. You are embracing a mindset that Jesus rejected. That weakness is a sign of being worthless. Jesus says weakness is a sign of being ready to be his and receiving his work in your life. Maybe you're still, you're still trying to feel strong enough to matter. You're still trying to gain advantage. You're trying to climb up a ladder and you're ashamed of the fact that you still need Jesus. Jesus invites you today, humbly receive from him or from, from someone that he sends Humbly receive, because you believe that the one who meets your needs is Jesus and Jesus alone. When he gets done this, he he talks to them. So pick up with me at verse 12. And it says this, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for this is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master and no messenger greater is greater than the one who sent him. Jesus says this, what I did just now, follow it. Not only are you to receive in humble dependence from your Savior, but you are to model that. That's an example for me to pattern my life after, for me to go and serve in humility other people. Jesus says, did you see what I did? 
Last week we saw that his action of washing their feet was meant to communicate the extent of his love for his disciples and for us. But now he says, listen, this is an example. You are to humble yourself and serve. Think about what he did. Their dirty feet did not rise to the level of a crisis. There was nobody running around the upper room going, oh no, what are we going to do? Nobody's washed their feet. And Jesus was like, I'm the hero. Here I come. I'm going to wash your feet. We like serving like that. We like the hero role of serving, right? But Jesus didn't fill the hero role in serving. What he did is he came and saw a task that nobody was talking about, but nobody wanted to do, and he humbled himself. And he says, follow me. So what's that mean for you? Jesus didn't rise to wash their feet because they desperately needed it as much as he did it because he wanted to find a way to lower himself and serve them. Are we following Jesus in that? What is that? What does that look like? Following Jesus to serve humbly. He had eyes to see an opportunity to serve those in need. Not to highlight his advantage. As a matter of fact, he did everything he could to not highlight his advantage so that they could receive service without feeling humiliated. And he invites his followers, you and I, to follow his example. Do you pursue humble service like that? Believers, if we are to follow Jesus Christ, we can't escape this challenge. Where do we serve like this? Where do we run to the bottom? Where do we lay aside position and status and power and get down and serve people? Where? Not because it makes you feel good. Not because you think that God will owe you one. But because you have a heart like Jesus Christ that's being formed inside of you that wants to humbly serve one another. I'm inviting you today to follow Jesus. Not to serve in a way that makes you proud and feel strong, but to find a way to humble yourself and do stuff maybe nobody else wants to do, but to do it just because it's humbling and serving. Jesus chose a small task, even arguably a meaningless task, The only reason they remembered getting their feet washed that night is because their Lord and Master humbled Himself and did it. They'd had their feet washed hundreds of times, but they remembered this one because someone did what nobody else would do and said, even though I'm in charge, even though I have power, even though this is not something anyone would expect from me, it's something I choose, it's something I pick up, something that I do. Jesus says, do like I've done. Some people take this as like a ceremony, like, you know, there there are ordinances like communion. We get together and we celebrate communion together. We have people baptized. We're having a baptismal service come up in a little bit here. And those are ordinances. Those are uh, motions that we go through, experiences that we have. And they have very specific purposes. Communion, to remember through the experience, the breaking of the bread, the, 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 the pouring of the juice, the drinking of the juice, to show his death, to commemorate his death, to be reminded of his death. That's what Jesus said that's for. Baptism is a declaration of faith and repentance. It is going through some motions that demonstrate and declare what Jesus has done in my life. 
Some people have foot washing as another ordinance that they get together and they literally wash one another's feet, which is all well and good. But the whole point of Jesus' teaching here is not, let's do another ceremony. Whether you do the ceremony or not, the point is, follow his example. It wasn't to raise this foot washing thing to some kind of holy spiritual exercise. It's go out and look for ways to serve. Humble yourself and find what needs to be done and do it. And find people who are in need and meet the need. This is the heart of Christ. These are the eyes of Christ. You are the hands of Jesus Christ. Will you do the work of Jesus Christ? Will you follow him in this? Jesus says, hey, here's the truth. Verily, verily, listen to this. No servant is greater than his master. Duh. Meaning, follow me. If I've done this, you do it. There is no room in me as I serve on looking down my nose at someone who's not doing as much as I am. Service is an opportunity for pride. Well, look at all that I do for everybody. If you're frustrated in your service, you're not following Jesus Christ. Jesus wasn't at the end of the foot washing sitting there like, I wonder who's going to wash my feet. He looked for a way to serve them selflessly, humbly, and he got done and, he, and he, that was it. We go around like, well, I'm doing this and I'm doing this and I'm look at that person over there. They're just sitting there doing nothing. Humble service. Not puffed up. Not filled with pride, humble. My self-image cannot be based on my job or my title or my performance. It cannot come from my own strength. It must come from humble dependence and it must work itself out into humble service. Jesus set aside his title to do a job that nobody wanted and nobody ever graded. It wasn't like people were like, well, that was a pretty good foot washing. It was a meaningless job. The point was not in what he did. The point was in his humility and his heart to serve. And I would say to you, just like we talk about, you know, getting wrapped up in this, in this world system of greed and, and, and wealth as a God, the answer to that is giving. Giving is the way to set aside greed. What Jesus is saying here is that serving is the way to set aside pride. If your serving brings you to pride, you've missed the point. We need the heart of Jesus Christ formed in us. And so where are you serving? Where are you serving the cause of Christ? Is is God after you to say, you need to to step up. You need to get serving. You need to humble yourself and serve. And you're like, well, I'm not ready yet. He didn't ask if you were ready, did he? He said, let's serve. Serve. The kingdom of God is waiting for us to humble ourselves, not just in worship, not just with words, but with actions. Where are you serving? Do you look for chances to serve humbly? Do you seek it out? And he closes with this statement. He just says, verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That's a pretty simple statement. It kind of harkens back to the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are these, blessed are these, blessed are these. And what blessed means there is simply this. The person who does this is the one who is in a position of advantage, a desirable position. If you, and it's like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And it was like, what? The ones who mourn, that's who I want to be? What? I don't get it. 
Blessed are you when men persecute you. What? It was all that in, in, in Matthew 5, right? Here, what Jesus says is, if you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That doesn't mean you're about to get a big check. That doesn't mean all your health problems are going to go out the window. Blessed means this. Do you see this as this is the life? This is the way to live. This is what life's about. This is what I want to be because it's what he is. That's the invitation. Will you see like Jesus sees? Will you walk like Jesus walked? Will you serve like Jesus served? Will you humble yourself before him? We're going to close with a song today. And as I kind of close with this song, the idea behind this is basically, will you have those kind of eyes? Will you have that kind of heart? And so let me ask you, does it bother you that you need Jesus? Does that bug you? Would you rather be somebody who can take care of it on your own? I mean, when you go to God in prayer, are you making a case to him? Now, God, you know I try to live for you, and you know I helped that other person last week, and now it's my turn. I mean, is that how we go to God? The invitation is to be humble, to receive from our Savior because we need it. Do we live like we know that he serves us and we are desperate for him to do so? If pride has gotten in the way of your relationship with Jesus, get it out of the way. And secondly, do you value humble acts of service? Maybe you've never thought of it this way, but today you can ask the Lord to open your eyes to the ways that he wants you to serve, to the pathways to humility, to the race to the bottom. Where can you serve? Well, I'll tell you this, you can serve in your church. It's a great place to start. It's programmed, it's set up for you. We help you serve. And in everything that we do at this church, we are aware of the fact that it has to be God doing it in us and through us. That we don't come with value that we add. We come available so that God can pour His power into us and use us. And we serve one another in love, in kindness. And so if you're like, I don't know where to start, start by serving here. But this isn't the end of it. Your service is not contained to walls. There are people in your life that you will go out these doors and you will see this week that need you to serve them. They may not even know it. And it may not be about them getting some great advantage from what you've done for them. You you paid off a bill or you gave them food or whatever. The, The disciples gained no real advantage from having clean feet. They walked out the door and they had dirty feet again. What they gained was from the fact that Jesus was willing to humble himself and serve them. And where do you see those opportunities? Will you pursue them? Will you run after them? And so today, look for the ways to do the lowly jobs because humility and service, just like for Jesus, for us, humility and service will change everything for the people that you know.